0: Hey there, this is Sam Pierovi, founder of Consortium. I want to take a second and thank you for clicking on a link to listen to a podcast you've probably never heard of. And since this is one of our first few episodes, I want to give you a little bit more information on why we're doing this and what the series is going to be about. So as you may or may not know, we are a startup, knee deep in startup mode. And our goal is to bring customization to the forefront of fashion and retail. We believe that customization serves all parties involved because customers get to design exactly what they want. The brands that are creating these products get distribution, and retailers don't have to buy massive amounts of inventory. And altogether, this means a much more sustainable retail future for the customers, the brands, and the retailers. And we'll get into all that in the series. So as we plot through these episodes, this series is gonna be a healthy dose of a few things. We'll talk about customization, of course. We'll talk about the grind of creating a startup and working to bring a new concept to fruition. We'll talk to some parties involved, whether it's the brands, whether it's the retailers and the challenges they've faced. And trust me, there have been some good and some really bad efforts in the last few years. And finally, we'll even bring in some people that are somewhat irrelevant to what we do just because it's gonna be fun. Um, Because custom is fun and we like to have a lot of fun. If you've ever happened to pop into one of our stores, you'll notice that there's always drinks on hand because hey, we're having fun. So thanks for being a part of our journey. We're excited to uh, grow with you guys um, and we're gonna move on to the episode. Thank you. Oh wait, one more thing. You probably don't know this, but we just launched an entire new category, custom belts. Consortium and Saintly have partnered together to create a line of fully custom belts that are also interchangeable. And one way you can really support us is just by going and visiting the Kickstarter page where we're offering this. And if you love custom belts, or if you just love belts and want to design one to get it the way you want it, uh, please do make a purchase. If you do purchase two belts, you'll also realize that they're fully interchangeable, meaning you can swap out buckles and belts and get a new style every day to match exactly what you're looking to put out there. So I'm going to give you a link, ask you to click it. And you know, if you share it, great. If you purchase, great. We just thank you for being a part of the journey. That link is cstm.style forward slash kspodcast. So it's just like the name of the podcast. It's cstm.style forward slash kspodcast. Okay, that's the last one. Thank you. On to the episode.
1: Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Fashion Is Your Business, recorded on location at the Fashion Vest Fashion Tech Investment Capital Conference at FIT in New York City. And today, I have a pretty cool guy. His name is Sam Perovi, and he is the CEO of Custom Consortium, which is an integrated retail platform for customizable fashion and lifestyle brands. We're going to find out about Sam and we're going to find out about Custom Consortium right after this because the show starts right now.
0: Hi, my name is Sam Pierovi. I'm the CEO of Custom Consortium and what I love about fashion tech is that a guy like me who's never been in the market can step in with an idea and try to affect some change.
2: From the 2016 FashionVest Investment Conference in the fashion tech capital of the world, New York City, this is Fashion Is Your Business, the leading podcast at the intersection of fashion, tech, and business, produced by Open Source Business, with Pavan Ball, co-creator of the global fashion battle and founder of Open Source Fashion, Rob Sanchez, business strategist, and 2016 fashion fellow. And Mark Rako, award-winning creative entrepreneur. And now,
1: here are your hosts. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. Boy, are we happy to have you here. And also here is Rob Sanchez. Hey, y'all. And Pavan Ball. Hey, you. And I'm one of your hosts, Mark Rako. And our guest today, again, Sam Perovi, CEO of Custom Consortium. Welcome, Sam. We're glad to have you here. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Why don't we start with this, as we often do, a kind of thumbnail sketch, a Reader's Digest version of who you are and what you do.
0: Great. So uh, I actually come from a 14-year investment banking background. Somehow found myself really into bags. That became a brand known as Saintly Bags, which are fully customizable, handmade in New York City. And in the process of building that, we came up with another great idea, which was Brands like us need help getting their brands out. So anybody who's customizable, they need a retail platform. We decided to go build that because we thought that was the real opportunity.
1: All right, great, thanks a lot. Uh, we'll, we're gonna do a much deeper dive in just a moment. Uh, quick, some housekeeping. Please everybody, if you haven't already, uh, and you really should have, uh, please follow us on social media at Fashion Biz Show. That is Fashion B-I-Z Show. Of course, all of our episodes available on our very own website, fashionisyourbusiness.com, as well as iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. All right, let's get to the interview. Let me start here. Uh, what drives you, Sam? What What makes you, not just in terms of doing you know hard work, but... What drives you to move forward in your businesses? What is kind of important to you?
0: You know, I think for me, it's just I see deficiencies and I want to fix it. Um, I have an idea, and if somebody else isn't doing something about it, I almost feel a burden to do something about it. And that's really kind of how one thing has gotten us to another. Um, and that's basically the beginning of a Custom Consortium.
3: Well, you were mentioning Saintly Bags and um, how it led to this idea that other people in the same position are going through these pain points of not having a robust back-end or system to coordinate this mass customization world, which has become um, quite a segment uh, recently over the last uh, few years. Did you build custom consortium as a solution for Saintly Bags, and now you're kind of, you said, okay, well maybe I could be the, the nucleus the, for, the, for multi-brand, or did you build this after identifying the fact that you're in the same bucket, or everyone, there's a lot of people in your bucket? It's, it's
0: a little bit of both, and those two are, as you know, probably chicken and egg. Um, I built Saintly Bags just, it was something I fell into because I really like bags, and we started to do customization. As we moved on and tried to grow the brand, we went out to a lot of retailers who just told us they loved the product, but they couldn't sell custom products in store. and They only wanted the standard line. So <clears throat> I had come up with this idea called custom consortium, and before it was what it is now, it was just me going out to some other brands that are customizable saying, hey, let's just cross-market with each other. People who like custom bags, who love custom shoes, who love custom belts, will all kind of just help each other out. So I kind of took the lead and just set up some social media accounts called Custom Consortium. And as we were starting to grow that, what every other brand was telling me was, hey, have you figured out how to get into Saks or Nordstrom's or Barney's? And I was like, no, I haven't, because we've gone and talked to them, but they've told us they can't sell Custom. And the brand started telling us, yeah, that's exactly what we heard. So a little bit of frustration kind of kicked in, and the question was, why, why can't they sell Custom? Sat back, thought about it a little bit, talked to a lot of people, talked to the retailers, and it turned out that the reality is they don't have the logistics system to track a made-to-order product from the time it's sold to the time the customer receives it. They gotta trust that some small boutique brand is gonna make it, ship it, get it there on time. It's gonna be in perfect shape, even though the retailer has never seen it. And then what if the customer is not happy? Then who supports them? Is it the brand? Is it the retailer? And there was no good answer. So we looked at this and said, that's a pretty good reason why the major it retailers exist, yeah. can't sell custom. Well, they custom. can't sell it and yeah. why
3: this marketplace needs to exist. But at the
0: same time, it's not a good reason why it should never exist. Mm-hmm. So why not just go do it ourselves?
3: We, we were introduced, um, I think, uh, close to a year ago now through uh, Nikunj of uh, Alan Sandri. And, um, you know, he Alan Sandri sells custom or mass-customized shoes, you are doing bags. There are significant process differences between categories like you know, handbags, um, men's duffel bags, uh, shoes, uh, dresses, whatever it may be. At the time when we first spoke, you were trying to navigate those complexities. So where are you now in terms of figuring out Um, a flow-through process for all these different categories of products? Like, what can you accept right now? Well, before I answer that, let me tell you the interesting story there. I can tell you
0: exactly where I was when I heard that podcast from you guys. Oh, is this right? I was actually running the pilot store for Custom Consortium last February. I remember that. And as I was driving home one night, I heard your guys' podcast, and you guys were doing it with Lioness Group. Mm -hmm. And you guys asked them what they thought about how a pop-up would look like for All in Sundry, a custom brand. And my eyes just lit up because I'm like, I talk to Nick every day. I have Mm. his shoes in the back of my car and I'm doing a pop-up for him. I have his shoes in my car. I mean, if you can believe that, it's unbelievable.
1: Can I just just pause for one second? Are you saying, because this is very meaningful to me, then listening to an episode of this show and, and hearing one of the interviews and one of the questions or things that we talked about, It actually resulted in a very significant pivot for your business? No, it wasn't a pivot. pivot. It was just a moment. A moment. That's how
3: we got connected.
1: A moment, okay.
0: Right. So, you're partially right. I mean, my eyes lit up. I started looking around myself. Am I being video recorded here? What's going on? (laughs) So, the pivot had already happened before that.
1: Understood, okay. But...
0: That's when you guys are talking about doing pop-ups for customization, and here I am doing a pop-up for a customization concept.
1: Specifically the
3: same brand Specifically that for we are talking about. Talking <laughs> <to> <laughs> about. Yeah.
0: So that was kind of unbelievable, and that's when I reached out to you guys. Um, <clears throat> but to answer your question, last February, this, this was all concept last November, so wow. a year and a month ago. By February, I had brought the brands together. We did a pop-up. We met you early on. Yeah. And Great success with the pop-up. We basically decided to duck out into hiding, raise some money, really build out what we're doing, start pursuing more brands, and get our feet under us. So that's what we did over the summer. We raised some friends and family money, began to develop the uh, e-commerce marketplace. And we are actually launching our e-commerce marketplace this week. Oh, wow. So congrats! it's kind of on. The question is just, when do we turn on the lights? Yeah. You know, so what's, what's holding you back? Um, this conference, i <laughs> have okay. just been putting a lot of focus into it and,
3: uh, waiting to basically get home, say tomorrow's the day, let's turn it on and go. I guess it's worth noting to the uh, audience that you presented today. So that's why so much preparation, uh, went into coming here.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of preparation and you're getting pulled in multiple ways. It's probably not the best
4: way to, uh, best time to launch a major platform. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you were thinking about that, were you, uh, also looking at holiday, like, um, did you have any concerns around or thoughts around uh, doing custom at the holidays? And how are you thinking about in the future of selling a product that has a long lead time that may have choices and preferences that go into it, but at the same time is also a good gift for somebody? Uh, how, how do you handle that side of it? That, that's a fantastic question.
0: Um, so here we are. I think it is December 14th today.
3: That's a good one. Yeah. We got 11 days we'll till
0: Christmas, right? So one of the reasons we're launching tomorrow, hopefully, is that we wanna basically get gift card sales out there right now. One of the awesome things about customization is that it presents this beautiful solution to the last minute gift. If I was giving you a last minute gift and I went and bought you a gift card from Calvin Klein and I gave it to you, you're gonna look at that and say, ah, last minute gift, gift card. If I give you a gift card that says you can go on a platform and design anything yourself, I'm basically telling you this is what I wanted you to have. It's yeah, fun. You thought about it. By the way, the mm-hmm. thought here is that you can go design it to your tastes, your needs, and you have no idea if I bought that yesterday or if I bought that two weeks ago thinking about that in advance.
3: What's the, the product mix that's going to be available when you launch? So we're launching with six
0: brands. Mm-hmm. Um, it is custom shoes and all in sundry. Mm-hmm. Custom bags and saintly bags. Uh, custom women's handbags, Laura Lee Designs. Custom watches, Martin Martinero. Impitially does customizable lingerie mm-hmm. and custom gloves Fitzgerald Morel. so that's six categories that we've covered, but accessories is a pretty broad area of categories, and the goal is to start bringing on three brands a month and just really round out that product mix. we don't want to be 200 brands we want to be somewhere between 50 and 100 brands in a year from now, a year and a half from now.
3: You mentioned before trying to Make sure that these smaller brands—and uh, not making the assumption that these six are smaller—but that's what you were saying before—is that smaller brands you, you don't know if you can they can manage all of these processes and you know and deliver the product in a timely basis. So with that, where where is this delivery schedule? Have is it is it streamlined across? Like, is everyone expected to deliver a final product within six weeks, and that's what the customer should ultimately um, expect? from any of the brands, or do each of the brands come with a different timeline? That's another great question. I think uh, if
0: I was not one of the brand owners myself, I probably would not have set this up the right way, but we did a lot of thinking about this. So all these brands are doing it successfully on their own website, on their own platforms. Coming onto a larger platform, custom consortium, I can't tell a brand who normally produces in six to eight weeks that, hey, you gotta conform and you gotta get it down to four. And I don't want to take a brand that produces in two weeks and say, hey, you have four weeks' time. So what we've basically said is all the brands, you guys run on your own policies. You tell us what it takes for you to do what you do and make these amazing products. We'll run on that. So when a customer buys a product, they know before they buy it what the shipping timeline, production timeline, any return policy is. And when they get their transaction email, they see it again. And then they can also come on the website and always see it. So they know that if they bought a saintly bag, that's gonna take more or less three to four weeks. They know if they bought a Martinero watch, that might take a week to two weeks. Uh, If Fitzgerald Morrell gloves, which are made in the UK, that might take five to six weeks. So we just let the brands run with what they are. And then at some point later, we'll do whatever we can to help these brands all unify into a single policy.
3: Uh, How are you approaching um, branding with this? Is this now being branded as custom consortium and you're sending them packaging and materials that they can pack. Are you having these items delivered in-house and then sending it out so you could have a consistent uh, consumer experience with your brand? How are you looking at that side? So at the outset, we're definitely letting the brands
0: drop ship direct to the customer, their packaging, their everything. We're basically the front end marketer and distributor for them. We're basically the retailer. So just as if you had bought a pair of Calvin Klein
3: Off of Gilt, or whatever, or wherever. it's oh, well, in a Calvin to. Klein box,
0: mm-hmm. right? As we grow up down the line we will help them with packaging, we will help them with shipping uh, when we start selling international we'll help them with tariffs which is something that's very hard for a brand to do um, and there's a lot of things down the line that uh, are benefits of having a large platform behind you.
1: Sam I've got a question uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, how you're filtering for brands right now that are part of Custom Consortium? What do you look for? Uh, what's important to you? And how do you think it fits into the picture going forward? And then to piggyback on that question, as your company grows, how do you see that process and the types of brands potentially transforming as part of maybe a larger plan?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a, uh, <clears throat> a lot of different aspects to that question. So I'll kind of start at the beginning of what customization means to us. Um, personalization and monogramming while great to me is not customization that's at the you know what we think of as the bottom level of customization on the flip side fully bespoke where you call somebody and describe a product and they design it from scratch that's kind of out of our reach it's not something we can aggregate the middle category of all that is what is generally called mass customization right a brand creates a product where you can change multiple pieces of it and design it up online, whether it's through a configurator or whatever it may be, and the brand then makes it and ships it to you. <clears throat> so we've initially found our brands just by you know networking and talking to people and being around the industry. And those are the launch brands that we've kind of started with. Uh, most of these brands will let you change leather, lining, stitching, hardware, trim, um, sizing is definitely can be custom. And there's, there's a lot more. So that's how we've gone out and looked for brands. And we've made sure that there's at least three to four aspects of a product that can be changed. And the set of brands that we've really pursued are really kind of what I think of as the middle-level boutique brands. These are the brands that really need the most help and the most distribution. Brands like Saintly, myself, uh, some of our launch brands. We really want to get out there and get the names of these brands known get sales up, get revenue up. And as you get volume, these brands can go and create more and more products, which not only helps us, but it also helps them. There's about 50 to 70 pretty good brands in that little middle category. From there up, you have kind of like your more enterprise brands, your Nikes who do customization, Mm -hmm. Vans, Converse, Levi's has a line of custom jeans, lot one. If you guys, I know you guys have talked to Grant Barth a few times. Um, Timbuktu, Shoes of Prey. These brands right now, when they do custom, they're selling to their own customers. What our pitch is to a company like Nike, who's massive, is if you come and do custom through us, we'll bring you a whole new set of customers that are customization-specific and they're new to you and that actually has more value than constantly marketing to your own customers who already
1: know you. Because you're saying that those people might not ty- typically gravitate to a company like that's Nike exactly because right. they want customized stuff. So right. they're missing out on this whole market of people. Got that's it. right.
0: So we go from the boutique brands up into the enterprise larger brands. You know, we get them on the platform. We help introduce new customers to them. We sell for them. They also bring us some credibility. And that's how the platform is gonna grow. From there, we actually are going to move lower, below the boutique brands. And what I mean is very startup, early stage brands. It can even be an idea. Uh, A gentleman in Virginia came to us not too long ago and said, Hi, I have a great idea for custom boots. We said, all right, well, we'll, you know, in a year figure out how to help you do that. So we can basically incubate a brand from scratch, basically look at them. And if it's something that we think we can make successful, we'll bring them on the platform. And our pitch to those guys is... You're a fashion guy or you're not a fashion guy who's got a great idea, great. Don't waste your time building a website, building a configurator, marketing, with all of that. Focus on your product. Go make more product, go make better product. We'll
4: handle the front end of the distribution. And if, over time it'll help your brand grow and you can go do whatever you want. So earlier we were talking with MMG and they were mentioning how like right now they're matching sort of like wholesale companies with back processes in place with maybe like a disruptor in a space who's hitting a new product category or a different type of market. Are you looking at eventually being sort of that like we are the the platform, will help you do the processes, we'll help you do and basically like be the entire business side of this? Or is this more in your mind just a collaboration between a marketplace and a brand? Um, so. There's two sides to the platform, and we haven't really gotten
0: into the second side. The first side is the e-commerce that we've been talking about. The second side is our design labs. So we're actually rolling out 15 design labs in the next two years, 11 in the U.S., 4 international. So we really think we're going to be the entire retailer for customization, not just online, but also offline. In addition, we're going to help, help brands out with a lot of things that the traditional retail platforms don't do. Again, shipping, international tariffs, all of that.
3: Yeah.
0: And then the third part of that is in a couple of years, we'll take what we've built with our own stores and we'll go work with the large specialty retailers like the Barneys and the Sacks of the world. We'll offer them our technology and our logistics support as a way for them to sell customization. Mm-hmm. And that's where things really scale up. You know, we, we're giving our brands a year and a half to two years to scale up enough so that when we do go work with Saxon, and Barneys, and Neiman Marcus, that they're ready to really scale up. Because at that point, each one of those retailers pilots on one to two stores and maybe rolls out 15 to 20. We go from being a 15-store enterprise
4: to all of a sudden being over a 100-store enterprise mm-hmm. fairly quickly in year three. Do you see this as sort of the next evolution. Uh, So right now, of Saks or of Barneys or so on, they're trying to figure out what they are and how they're going to respond. Are you looking at being that solution overall or just like another experience in a store? How are you kind of in your head picturing the future? I think we're not
0: the takeover of their business model. I think we are a solution that helps initially and incrementally grows. So if you think about customization, one of the benefits that it you know poses to large retailers or retailers of any kind I mean this was our pitch when it was just saintly bags we were going to stores saying you don't have to waste your money and buy inventory you don't have to put it on a shelf and risk theft you don't have to discount it seasonally which hurts your brand equity as well as the brand's brand equity you don't have stockroom space you get to slim down your entire system at least for our brand so in a year from now, what we'll be doing is having 20, 30, 50 brands. We'll go to the major retailers and say, you can now sell all these brands that you never could. They're all very high end, amazing brands that do custom. And again, you don't have to waste stockroom space on it. You don't have to waste capital. You don't have to You risk theft. You don't have to discount it. Mm-hmm. And it basically just improves their profitability all over.
3: You mentioned these 11 or 15 locations of, um, sorry, how did you position it? Design labs? A design lab. Um... My head goes straight to bonobos and how they had their like their fitting, kind of stores. Uh, how much retail space are you talking? Because that sounds like a very labor-intensive and capital-intensive um, initiative.
0: Well, I love that you brought up bonobos because, as we did, built out the concept, we realized what we were doing was modifying the bonobos guide shop model. Mm-hmm. We're basically specializing it for customization. And what that does is explodes your product offering. And then it's also multi-brand. So Bonobos reduce the footprint of their stores by removing in-store inventory. Mm-hmm. Okay? We're basically not only doing that. They're at 1,000 square feet. We're probably going to be about seven to 800 square feet. Okay. So not only are we reducing the footprint, but we're also saying we're multi-brand. And all of those brands have multiple products. And all of those products have millions of permutations. Mm-hmm. So you're really getting an unlimited product offering from a very, very small space. And your dollars per square foot in a perfect world just goes through the roof.
3: Yeah. Do you, do you envision this as minimal design, um, some samples around the sides on a lot of screens? Or uh, how, how are you frameworking this or kind of blueprinting it out? So every brand
0: will have its own section. You would walk into one of our design labs, which are basically highly experiential stores where a customer walks in and sees a brand, they can see, touch, and feel the product and understand it. They can ask questions of our design staff and then every brand has a tablet in front of it mm-hmm. and literally they're actually designing a product right on our website. So these design labs are just an extension of our website in a physical retail environment.
3: Yeah, that that's tremendous. And um, um, when are you looking to the to launch that or the first one our first design lab will be los angeles in january oh wow yeah
0: this is all coming very very soon how long is the lease on that uh we're doing a temp to perm situation okay yeah
3: now as a young company without much of a, a business history how are you able to negotiate those terms well i mean we are in
0: the money raising process so that has something <laughs> to do with it. all right <laughs> um <laughs> But you know, the reality is, especially in the winter, there is a lot of space out there that people want filled.
3: Yeah. Um, so they're willing to, to roll the dice on a short term.
0: Yeah, and also this is a concept that is very, very marketable yeah. and it attracts people. And one of the pitches we have to any landlord is it's a 700-square-foot space. You can sell coffee out of it mm-hmm. or you can lease it to us and we're going to have this amazing concept in there. And by the way, we're going to be marketing it and people are going to be coming here Which one is your preferred scenario?
3: What type of market survey research went into picking the actual location? So we've talked with
0: some brokers, and we've had our own 11 cities kind of planned out before. Um, Those cities are based on two things. One is, it's the major luxury shopping destinations in the country, Mm -hmm. and the second thing is, it's very tourism-based. So we wouldn't do two major cities that are right next to each other. Let's take Boston for example. I wouldn't do Boston just because of its distance to New York because a customer in Boston who wants to see a product is probably going to be in New York sometime soon or they might be going to DC or Chicago. We actually don't want to saturate the market. So we said, what are the 11 best cities? Let's do those. And the reason we don't want to saturate the market is when it comes time to go work with the major retailers, we want them to see enough value in it and say, yeah, you don't have two hundred stores out there. We can launch this and just grow it really fast.
1: All right, let's uh, let's take a break on that note. And when we come back, it'll be our third segment, which does mean off the grid questions. We'll do all that and finish up the show right here on Fashion Is Your Business. Be right back. Welcome back to Fashion is Your Business, a recording on location at the Fashion Invest Investment Capital Conference in New York City. And uh, it is the third segment, which means.
2: It's time for questions off the grid with fashion is your business.
1: That's right. Off the grid questions where we ask questions, frankly, a little off the grid, a little more personal in nature. We have no idea what we're going to say. We have no idea what our co-hosts are going to say or the order we're going to ask them. We solve that with a good old spin of our giant wheel of grid destiny. I'm going to give that wheel a big old spin see who it comes to. And it comes to Rob. All right. Um, so looking back
4: at where you've come from to where you are now, so you're not in this industry, you kind of came into it from outside. You said, what, 14 years of investment banking? Yeah, that's right. 14 yeah. years of banking.
3: It's um, a long tenure for a, a banker. Y- yeah, yeah. <laughs>
4: that's a lot. Um, so I'm kind of wondering, if you pivoted from something that's Primarily mind to something that is a lot of hand. And I'm wondering where in your life have you made a similar pivot where you went from one way of thinking to a different way of thinking, like uh, maybe when you were a kid or something like that? I mean, that's actually
0: a very easy question because I was pre med all through college. (laughs) I was getting ready to go to med school. I took the MCAT. My sister was in my ear telling me. You're not gonna love this industry. Yeah, you love the science, but. <laughs> is your sister a physician? She is a physician. Mm-hmm. She's triple boarded and crazy. Um, you know, I got talked out of it and I decided I was gonna go do an MBA JD instead and go into biotechnology. So then I took the LSAT. I wasted two summers of my life taking tests
4: and like Rob started applying for jobs. (laughs) The LSAT was fun. I (laughs) loved that test. I don't know. That's a good test. If you don't like the LSAT, do not go to law school. That's like, that is a good test. So I started applying for jobs and um,
0: nobody in business would look at me because I was a science background. It was this level of doubt. I couldn't get anything. I mean, a great GPA did well in school, but it didn't matter. And then there was one recruiter who just went to bat for me and he told me, he's like, I'm going to get you a job. And Next thing I know, he's asking me if I've heard of Bear Stearns in New York. I'm like, yeah, maybe. And, you know, Bear Stearns threw out my resume just like everybody else. And this recruiter went back to them and said, hey, this is the one guy you got to interview. And sure enough, a few weeks later, I was moving to New York for investment banking and got here and had no idea what I was doing, but I figured it out.
1: (laughs) All right. Uh, Very nice. Let's take another spin of the wheel. And it comes to me. And the uh, question I have for you, Sam, is, uh, it's, it's along the lines of what uh, Rob asked, but but on a little different track. I like how you mentioned you had been listening to our show and then it, it, it kind of uh, connected with what you were doing as, a, a, as let's call it a mini aha moment, or at least it resulted in connecting with Pavan, which means you're on with us now. So my question is, can you think of any moment watching TV, a movie, a play, listening to a radio show, experiencing something in which there was a moment in that thing that made you go, oh my, I have to... This made me think of life in a different way. It made me think of my business in a different way. Maybe it even made you think about your own self a different way.
0: Do I have to keep it to uh, media like TV and radio?
1: No. no.
0: Um, I will tell you about a trip I took, which actually resulted in a lot of what I'm doing. Uh, Late 2012, I actually went to Southeast Asia. Just moving from one job to another, I had a month of garden leave. And I was going around Vietnam, Laos, Thailand, Cambodia, and all of those countries kind of give you a different perspective. And one thing I was learning as I was going through that process of discovering multiple cultures was how different people live in different parts of the world. So, I'm gonna come back to that piece, but if you guys already know that my bag brand is called Saintly Bags. And there was a whole different reason why we called it Saintly. You know, it had a lot to do with traveling a lot, being in the skies, being heavenly, being saintly. That was also tied into some European royalty culture, French, saintly. But as I was starting to build the brand, And go on these trips what I was really enjoying was that I got more you know passion and joy out of traveling somewhere and immersing myself and learning about it rather than going you know to somebody else's country and being kind of like a big brash American and this whole thing about being saintly when you travel just got bigger and bigger for me yeah but it all it all did start From that trip in Southeast Asia, it was a month, but it was probably my like five or six days in Laos that were probably the most life changing for me. You know, I'm in finance for the last 12 years at that moment, and here I am experiencing a totally different way of culture where people are very happy, very
1: giving, and it just made a lot of sense. Very cool. All right, thank you. Uh, And a final spin of the Wheel of Grid Destiny, and of course, to Pavan.
3: So uh, you built a A business that has a a ton of complexities to it so not only is it e-commerce which on its own is a pretty large endeavor endeavor building a marketplace Um, but then you've decided to attack a segment which is also also multifaceted right that has a lot of moving parts Um, I'm wondering that uh, with yourself internalizing kind of complexities if you were to ask or if I were to ask, you're the closest and nearest and dearest in your life, so whether it's friends, family, what would they say are your like, most interesting complexities? <laughs> wow. I mean, nice that's, question. That's a straight-up
0: interview question.
3: Oh, boy. Um, give me your 10 strengths and weaknesses.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you three of either. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the reality is a lot of my friends and families friends and family do look at me in some of the ways that I look at myself because I'm an open book Mm -hmm. Um, I know that I can be really kind and sympathetic I can at the same time be very brash and aggressive and I think both my friends and family will tell you that. Mm-hmm. My best friend tells me to tone it down every now and then. <laughs> I tell him, no, you tone it down.
3: <laughs> so, so, so
1: what happens when you do combine those things and you're like, hey, you feeling sorry for you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh, I think um, I'm, a lot of people see who I am from the outside. And they don't really get it until they get to know me. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people can say that, you know, every, every man yeah, is an yeah. island. Sure. But um, I think the people who are like in my inner circle, basically just, they get it. And for me, it feels really good because you go, oh my God, people get me. That's great. This is who I am. But um, I mean, if I had to give you a couple of traits, I think people would tell you I'm very hardworking and I love to pick up a crazy idea and run with it. Whereas most people would laugh at it. I'll run with it and make something
1: of it. It's the challenge of them telling you it's impossible or implausible or Absolutely. dumb or whatever, and you go, the exact reason I have to attack it.
0: Yeah, and you go, well, that's why nobody's done it, so I'm going to go do it.
1: All right, uh, maybe that's a good point to ask you. Uh, often on the show, we'll ask our guests to leave us with a kind of final thought. It can reflect on the interview we've had, or it can just be more in general something you might like to a sh- piece of wisdom or whatever you might like to share with the audience.
0: Well, as you guys know, uh, you know, we're... Doing something of a pivot and keeping our old company but building the new one. Um, Right now I'm feeling very inspired because, you know, as we're launching tomorrow, it's a whole new opportunity has opened up to us and we've seized it and we're trying to make the most out of it. So it's been a lot of hard work. I've had my friends and my family look at me sometimes and say, what are you doing? This doesn't make sense. But, you know, the only person that knows what you're doing is you. And it's really nice to, you know, be in a place where I can come to Fashion Vest and everybody goes, Hey, that's pretty cool what you're doing. I really like it. I can run <laughs> into you guys and you guys go, Hey Sam, this is awesome what you're doing from Saintly Backs to Custom Consortium and you know, we sit down and we chat about it. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm inspired and I'm very thankful for the opportunity right now and I mean we'll see where it goes.
3: Well, well I, I do want to make a comment. I'm, I'm really excited to see your launch. Um, when you came, um, I guess when we connected when we first connected in February on a call, I remember getting off that call and saying, "Wow, this is totally different. What you're looking to accomplish here is not easy and it's necessary. I, I see. The, I see a glaring opportunity here, and it, ta- it takes a lot of uh, courage to to actually Thank you. be steadfast and, and build this out. Um, so our team has been a, a, um, a supporter of the idea, and then also paying attention to where you've been and checking in with you every so often, and uh, you know. A, Good luck, man. Thanks, like, man. I, I appreciate really, you know. It. I, I'm really, really excited to no, and see it is great to, uh, where it
0: goes. I mean, fashion is your business is fantastic, and uh, to get the opportunity to just sit here with you guys and chat, I mean, it's 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 an honor for me. So, thank you.
3: Well, if you were uh, based in New York, it would have been a lot easier to schedule. <laughs> yeah, right. We probably would have had you on five months ago. I will fly back and forth all <laughs> you want.
1: Well, we just had a chance to, to chat with you. Uh, for people who want to reach out to you, whether they yeah. may be uh, potential investors or potential brands that want to align with you or any, anything else, how can people do that?
0: Uh, well, the easiest way to do it is literally email me, sam at customconsortium.com. If you just want to get involved with the company and you know, purchase something, just go to customconsortium.com. You put your email in to log on. We will send you an email that will give you some kind of a promotion. We're not sure what that is yet because that's going to change from our launch to our later stages.
3: Um, later stages meaning the week after. Yeah, I was going to say, like <laughs> <Yeah>. maybe <laughs> in two weeks, right? Yeah.
0: Oh, Christmas is over. Mm. What's promo number three? That's right. Um, but yeah, Sam at customconsortium.com or just go to the website, sign up, and you'll see everything we're doing and building out.
1: Beautiful. Well, thanks so much to you, Sam Perovi, the CEO of Custom Consortium. Uh, Such a pleasure to have you on the show, and best of luck. Thank you, guys. That's it for this episode of Fashion is Your Business for Rob Sanchez. Good night, y'all. And Pub and Ball. Shake it easy. I'm Mark Rako. Uh, We really do appreciate you listening, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Have a great day. Bye-bye, everybody. This has been Fashion
2: Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show or to become a sponsor, email us at myteam at os-fashion.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Fashion Biz Show. That's Fashion B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, fashionisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Open Source Business, copyright 2017, all rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thank you for listening.
0: Hey, and we recognize that that episode may have been so captivating that you forgot about what we discussed at the beginning of the episode. So we're here to remind you, our Kickstarter is actually live for a couple more weeks And we would really appreciate your support. If you get a chance, please go take a look at these custom and interchangeable belts. They will change your life, we swear. Uh, The link is cstm.style forward slash kspodcast. That's the link to the Kickstarter, not the podcast. But again, that link is cstm.style forward slash kspodcast. And we look forward to bringing you a lot more episodes, so please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you.